This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. Hallelujah. He's good. He's been better to us than we could ever be to ourselves. Amen. Because God intended for us to have a holy life, not perverted by sin. Imagine a world not perverted by sin. It's unimaginable to us. But, amen, Adam and Eve did have it for a minute before they allowed Satan to win over with his perverted marketing against the move of God, what God intended for us. The first Adam did not do very well. But prophetically, the second Adam fixed what the first Adam messed up. Amen. And I thank God that Jesus is the second Adam. He came to fix the broken. He came, amen, to make what became unholy, holy, amen. We could stand before God and come, even though we are not made right at first. He accepts us as we are, but he says, you know what? Cleanse your hands, ye what? Sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We cannot go around redefining what sin is and is not. God defined it very well in his word. And we cannot redefine what it means to be saved uh, and what it takes to be saved and even to what? Stay saved. People don't like using that phrase, stay saved. But here we are today. We're yet in the curricular journey of the Holy Ghost and he's leading us yet in the spiritual maturity series. We're going to be looking at the scripture found in Luke 17. Amen. 17 verses 26 through 35. That's the main verse of scripture. Thankful for all of you. Found it not robbery to be. Taking time set apart to give God a high praise. It should be the highest praise. Amen. We have to lay aside our weight and sin. We have to lay aside other concerns and just give Jesus the praises due his name. Amen. Thank God for Luke 17, 26 through 35. These are words of Jesus. I'm going to be in a different version, uh, Berean Standard Bible. It says, as it was in the days of Noah, Jesus is speaking to them. He said, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. Talking about himself, amen. People were eating and drinking back in the day of Noah. While he's building the ark, 120 some odd years, they were marrying and, and, and being given in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. Jesus now changing venues in history, going to Lot. And uh, fast forwarding, he went up to Lot from the near beginning of the world. He said people were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day Lot left Sodom, what happened? Fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like that the day the Son of Man is what? Revealed. Amen. I want to take a pause here before I go to verse 31. There are many people saying, 
you know, as though they're more important than Jesus. They're coming like they're the anointed one. In other words, the Christ. Jesus said, if another Christ comes, my God, and they're preaching another gospel, it is an accursed word. Amen? Accursed word. It is not the holy word of God. Amen? And we know that there are many cults out here right now because Jesus' return is imminent. And here they come, the false ones, showing up to try to derail Try to miseducate, misdirect, my God, and blind folks. Keep them away from the real truth. And you know how they try to lull you in? With big numbers. Look, everybody's doing it. It's a broad way. But Jesus said broad is the way. What that leads to, to destruction, to death, my God. It seems right. Everybody's doing it. Bus loads coming in. Doesn't make it right. Jesus isn't about these big numbers like that. My God, Jesus himself coming down, touching uh, the earth from heaven and being born in Bethlehem. My God. And it was an obscure place. There was no room for him. My God. And he was laid in uh, a place where they kept animals in a stable and like a cave-like dwelling for animals. And they laid them. They didn't have a crib, so they put hay in the trough which is called the manger, and they put him in that. My God, look at that. But people of God, the people in the spirit of God, they came from halfway around the world and found him there. Isn't that something? And Jesus had an entourage from heaven. Amen. The angels choir came in, my God, saying hallelujah to God in the highest on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. You have to be in the spirit to see it, though. How come they didn't have a big crowd saying, oh, look at all the angels. And the crowds came and saw the angels. No, the spiritual people saw it. Amen. You have to be in the spirit to hear it. Amen. You have to be in God. Amen. And uh, then your head will be made to think of the things of God and your mind will have the mind of Christ. Amen. So this is why Jesus is trying to teach these folk who think they know it all he's showing them he said look at verse 31 on that day no one on the housetop came down to uh, retrieve his possessions when the son of man came likewise let no one in the field return for anything he has left behind and it says in verse 32 most important remember lot's wife whoever tries to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life, uh, in another verse it says, loses his life for my sake. And uh, Luke didn't put that part in, but these are Jesus' words, so we know that Jesus is saying it for his sake, right? And whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. My God. We want to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying today. And he's calling out that we remember that it takes humble submission to the grace of God. A lot of people teaching about grace, but is there a humble submission in response to the real grace of God? Now, the only way the grace of God will do the work it came to do, yes, we do have to unlock the door of it with this key of faith. It's humble submission. 
And that's what initiates the transforming process of salvation. It begins with a prayerful cry to him as found in Luke 18. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, allowing God to be the eternal abiding presence who will keep us from falling is the essence of walking in an eternally secure, persevering way. A lot of teachers have gone on to glory. I pray they have. Um, Perhaps God said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because some of the teachings that went on for decades, some soldiers have gone on to glory here recently. And they have doctorate degrees and such. But they're teaching about uh, eternal salvation. In other words, once saved, always saved. But allowing God to be the eternal abiding presence who will keep us from falling, that's the essence of walking in an eternally secure, persevering way, you see. But because of that ability for us to do that, God enabling us to be able to do that, why does he enable us to do that? Because there's a contrary way, that's why. You know, uh, there's an alluring, contrary, tempting way that will lead in a contrary fashion from eternal life to eternal damnation. My God. So today, let's hear some exhortive but yet encouraging words from the Spirit of God about this topic. Saved souls must persevere. Remember Lot's wife. Amen? Saved souls must persevere. Remember Lot's wife. In Luke 17, 32, there's a warning for us to, yes, remember Lot's wife. Jesus' words. Lot's wife, we don't know her name, but we know that this woman was married to who? To Lot. The woman that was married to Lot. She looked backwards. She looked backwards as in Hebrews it teaches um, that we are not going to be saved if we look back unto perdition. And she did. Look backwards to the detriment of her soul. A lot of people like this uh, statement, uh, an old adage, home is where the heart is. And what we meditate on and persevere to pursue after, uh, that's where our heart, our longings will lead us to. Home is where the heart is. And it, it seems as if because of the scripture's revelation that her heart was yet in Sodom. Sodom was being destroyed. Her heart was there, so her heart got destroyed. My God. What happened to her in this, in, in, in this historic, unfortunate event? Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt that she might remain a lasting monument of God's displeasure against apostates who begin in the spirit but end in the flesh. We don't want to begin in the spirit, but then end in the flesh. King Saul did that. It led him to detriment. Cain did it. He walked around now with this uh, image on his forehead. And everybody knew that was the fallen one, my God. And he built cities, and out of that came Nimrod and some others who started uh, like the Illuminati and all these kinds of things, these kind of followings. And these people 
built the Tower of Babel and tried to reach up to God without the auspices of the move of God. They wanted to do it in their flesh. We cannot please God with our flesh. You know, today there's a lot of confusion regarding the process of salvation and its results can cause one to live a life that does not represent authentic faith that is holy exclusively unto the one and true living God. If you have been saved from the slavery of sin, are you always saved no matter what you do after that event? Uh, if you have been biblically saved according to the unadulterated and correctly interpreted holy word of God, then yes. It will not matter because what you do after that will please God. If Jesus truly saved you and you are still walking on this earth, you will be tempted by the devil to do ungodly things that lead to backsliding and even, unfortunately, a complete turning of one's back on God to even denounce a right relationship with him. And why is that? Because you have not been saved from the presence of sin on this earth. This is why we can yet have these temptations. Sometimes you may fall and get dirty, you know, by, by making mistakes or by being uh, deceived due to emotional, spiritual dysfunctions that uh, have not been worked out, things that you've experienced in your life. Um, perhaps your heart and mind are not completely made whole from these things. There may not be uh, a complete healing that has happened in your mind and heart. Perhaps there has not been the working of a reconciling of understanding that is a growing process in your being, in the inner core of your being, a process of spiritually maturing uh, and being firmly grounded in a sober fashion, sanctified in your conscience. You know, God knows the difference of where we are at, each and every one of us. The bottom line is this, that one has to have a made-up mind. You must want deliverance. They say in the farming uh, community, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make them drink. Amen. Some people want the best of both worlds, the fallen and the living spiritual world that God would have us to live in. Spiritually, they are dual citizens, multilingual, if you will, double-minded. The sad part about this is uh, they are lost and groping in outer darkness, but all the time believing that they are woke. 1 John 2.4 says, that such souls are liars and God's truth is not in them. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot make theocracies uh, and theologies and such according to our own poetic license. We cannot, amen, write uh, what our faith should be about. Jesus is supposed to be the author and what? Finisher of our faith, not us. We cannot save ourselves. We have to stop making these theologies wherein now we can walk however we want to each his own. 
That's not how I interpret the scripture. Wow. There's only one interpretation. Not many falsehoods splintered. And people like to say, well, how come there are so many churches? We need to put all these little churches together. Why? So we could have all kind of uh, wars. Amen. Like the, uh, where the south went against the north. Civil war. Uh, the devil wants civil war in the house of God. You know, we think we could save ourselves. We can write our own book. No. If that's the case, then, then, then uh, you can easily be one that changes their mind over and over again. You will revert at every dark corner. And the closer and more diligent you are, though, uh, to the living, breathing word of God, according to the disciplines of the holy of holies of God, the harder it will be for the enemy to fool you. The closer you are to God, the harder it is for the devil to fool you. Yes, he will fool the very elect if it's possible. But if you are so close to God like that, there's no way, amen, he, he will easily do it. You have to be all the way in God, though. You can't be approaching God. You can't be thinking about it. You got to be all the way in there. Unless you are all the way in there, the devil has some room to deceive you. So many who are today being saved, they're going around saying that, you know, they are really completely saved. Some of these people who are saying they are saved are really being saved. The Holy Ghost is working on them to convince them to destroy the strongholds of their thinking so that their mind will be right with God and they will allow the mind of Christ to come into them. Let this mind be in you that was also in who? Christ Jesus. Many haven't done that, but they are yet claiming salvation. But it's their own salvation. Remember, they have the pen and they have the paper for their own book. You know, they don't really have a made-up mind. No, Jesus has not come into their flesh, as it says in 1 John 4, verses 2 and 3. He is not living in them. They have somehow, at some point, disallowed the mind of Christ to inhabit their mind. We are commanded to let this mind be in us that was also in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul was inspired to write this to the church at Philippi and to all of us in Philippians 2. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Holy Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. He's telling the church, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. We can't have a splintered mentality. See, verse 3, he goes on to say, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That goes on in the denominations, my God. He said, Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. But here we are today in the modern world competing against each other, my God, especially in the media, my God. Uh, verse 4, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In other words, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the very 
nature uh, being God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness, God came down to earth, my God. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death on a cross. My God, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, and that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, he's telling the church, because he don't have to stay there all the time. He got to help other churches. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, you got to be meticulous about this. Like Jesus said, uh, we are fearfully and marvelously made. Amen. In the womb, he told Jeremiah that you were fearfully and marvelously made. You have purpose because Jeremiah was getting depressed about why he has to go through such things. Look at verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Not our own, but what? His good purpose. We have to stay submitted to him. End quote from uh, Philippians 2. Now those who heed the cautions of Scripture and live a faithful, reverent life need never fret about where they will spend eternity. That's really the core of the, in the crux of the argument about once saved, always saved. Folks want to be comfortable in their sin. They want to be coddled in comforts in sin and still qualify as someone who is living in the holy of holies kind of state of mind. My God. You know, they enjoy full assurance uh, of their salvation if they have already gone into the presence of God completely. See, you don't have to worry about all of that. The benefits of a faithful life uh, and, and those who are already completely in Christ will look forward to seeing the blessed hope. It's not only a place, it's a person. Jesus says, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He's talking about, amen, in the presence of his eternal being, amen. And he lights up heaven. Thank God he is the light. And we have to walk in that light before we even get to that light. Our heart should be right up there. Affections placed where Christ sits at the right hand of the throne of God. Home is where the heart is, my God. God calls us to holy living. While 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 10 and 11 uh, presents very real warnings, the preceding verses reassure us that, the, um, that, that God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him, that's an intimacy with him, who called us by his own glory and goodness in 2 Peter 1.3. Peter spells out this godly life with an exhortation to make every effort 
to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, temperance, you know, and to self-control, perseverance. There it is. Sticking to it. Amen. And to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection. Brotherly kindness is the mutual affection, and to brotherly kindness, charity, it says in the uh, King James, which is love. Amen. So these are Christian ethics. You know, my father, when I was in his Sunday school class, when we were in the Baptist church, I was in the, one of the young men's uh, teenage classes. My father was the teacher. He made us memorize uh, Second Peter, first chapter, my God. And we had to quote that thing. Charity, amen, all of these things, self-control, perseverance, godliness. Amen. Look at the perseverance. That's sticking to it. That's not, you know, one who is wishy-washy, but one who is diligently seeking after the will and the face of God. Thank you, Lord. And uh, you got to stick with it. You can't, amen, be wishy-washy. You're going to be wishy-washy if you're just into intellectual stuff, and God is very intellectual, and people could get off on that. They could feel like they had church being intellectualized. Dr. So-and-so, oh, he preached, he brought, he pontificated, blah, blah, blah. And people get off on intellect. And the Holy Ghost will help you have an emotional time, too, crying before the Lord, singing and dancing before the Lord. People feel like they had church when that happens. And sometimes there's a mixture of it, and the art and science of preaching has happened, and we feel like we had church. But a lot of times, God is absent. And we have caricatured our own kind of way. We have made our own concoction of what meeting God, quote unquote, really is, what worship is, what preaching is. We have made our subculture now into uh, an ordinance. My God. Believe it or not, feet washing is not an ordinance. It's an attitude we should have to each other. One should not think they are bigger and badder than the rest of us. And uh, we ought to approach each other in a humble fashion and not in some big-headedness. God even hates a proud look. Never mind your words and your demeanor. Just the look alone is bad. God does not want us, amen, posturing ourselves all on social media with this pride. Some of it is pride, I tell you. My God, God wants us to be cleansed of all unrighteousness. Peter had it right in those verses. He said, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He had to say Lord Jesus Christ because he is the only anointed one from God and he should be over your life. He should be Lord. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. That's Second Peter 1. Amen. Going all the way to verse 9. Now, having been cleansed from our past sins, uh, may we not regress into a habitual life of sin again, believing all the while that we are, quote-unquote, saved. 
Let us truly walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. The good news is in, indeed that God yet saves us from sin, Romans 1, 16 and 17. And we no longer live as slaves to sin, but as loyal servants of God, like bond servants, as Paul put it, choosing to live in holiness and bound for eternal life, according to Romans 6, 22 and 23. We are saved by this gospel, but only if we want hold firmly. Otherwise, we have believed in vain, according to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 2. The false doctrine of once saved, always saved, not only offers false hope for eternity, but also robs the gospel of its power to change lives and produce holiness. God is not the one changing and producing. It is folks who are concocting their own way. We cannot concoct our own way. God has to be the what? Author and finisher of our faith. Amen. When we deny that very power of God, it is the Holy Spirit who we are denying. We prohibit him from working God's grace in us to save us from our very selves. Why? Because we were born and shaped in iniquity. He will not strive with us forever either. There is a certain cutoff time that only God knows. There are folks today in these cults acting as if they know the cutoff time, and now they are self-proclaimed spokespersons for Jesus. They have sat Jesus down, and they said, Jesus, I got this. Loose here, that is a cult. And I don't have to spend my time wasted with them. God said, redeem the time for the days I evil. I'm going to tell you like a TIS is, and then I'm going to move on. Because folk like to go around and around in circles in an argument. When I tell you the truth and you don't receive it, God said, I'm allowed to shake the very dust from my feet and move on. Hallelujah. And I pray, God, save your soul. We should not be prohibiting the Holy Spirit from working God's grace in us to save us. My God, he's not going to strive with us forever. He's going to move on too. The day we would hear his voice, we are warned not to harden our hearts against him. What happens when he withdraws? Will we have the mind to seek after God on our own? You know, our innate sinful familiarity, our comfort zone in sin will have its way and uh, we will not be able to fight against it. My God, the good fight of faith will be no more in that situation. The need given to us by God to have completeness by way of fellowship will be fulfilled by what we savor. The hunger and thirst after God's intended righteous way uh, will then be erroneously fulfilled by that which is detrimental. And it only takes a little bit of leaven for that to happen. A similar sentiment is expressed by Jesus in other contexts although Lot's wife is not mentioned in them. Jesus said, quote, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God, end quote, from Luke 9, 62. A lot of verses in Luke 9, because Jesus had to 
Amen. Destroy a, a stronghold in their mind. Hallelujah. And uh, in, in, in context, Jesus is talking about people who want to follow him, but are hindered by their concern for other things. It is not just that they look back, but that they have divided loyalties, much like Lot's wife did. Her heart was splintered. Her mind splintered. She had a duality of purpose. And what does God say? A double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. Their feet are not stable and stationed in God's will. And they'll change their mind. They are fickle. Jesus also used the statement, quote, whoever wants to save his life shall lose it, end quote, in a number of different contexts in Matthew 10, 39, Matthew 16, 25, Mark 8, 35, Luke 9, 24, Luke 17, 33. It's the reason why he has all of those statements out of the mouth of two or three. Let every word be established. It was etched in stone. Amen. And we can't change it. Regardless of the specifics of the context, following Jesus requires turning our backs on the life that this world offers. If you're going to turn your back, turn your back to that. Amen. Attempting to save your life is the same as looking back. Attachment to our old life and old ways that we get delivered from will cause us to lose our lives. We got to stamp out that little leaven and let it be gone, always gone. Don't let it creep back in. Don't go looking at the uh, sinful soul store and go get some more of it. No, we don't need to go back. We need to stay put where we are in God. We made some good ground by the Holy Ghost, and God has stationed our feet on solid ground. We need to walk therein and be glad, walk in the light, the beautiful light. Hallelujah. Lot's wife is the illustration and example that uh, we will uh, do well to remember because she tried to save her own life. Now, before we go, don't forget, it is eternally advantageous to remember that saved souls must persevere and that the unfortunate outcome of Lot's wife becoming a, becoming a statue of salt as an infamous testimony stands throughout all eternity as a landmark of experience that we ought to avoid. We must humbly submit with all diligence to the holy word of God, the, unadulter the unadulterated holy word of God. We must do so also diligently to the grace of God. It's an open uh, invitation, uh, freely given as a gift to us. That's that grace of God. And it's not only an opportunity, but it's power to be saved and transformed. Amen. That's the grace of God. We got to diligently give ourselves humbly over to it and also to the transforming power of his spirit. When he comes knocking, he says, God already set it up. Now it's my time. I have an appointment with you to come in and transform you. We could lock the door and not let him in and go on our merry way and just go on about our sinful soul business, my God, and not be saved. It's a process. If you don't let God do the whole thing, then you are not saved. God's got to do the whole thing. Amen. 
Doing so will activate the transforming process of salvation, which is God's unmerited gift to all who will seek after him for a right relationship of eternal life, peace, and love with him. It all begins with us prayerfully crying out to him, petitioning with every ounce of our being, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Diligently allowing God to be the eternal abiding presence who will keep us from falling as we continue to worship him exclusively. Constantly pursuing his fellowship uh, is the essence of walking in an eternally secure way. Outside of that, you're not secure. You're groping about in outer darkness. And there will be much weeping and gnashing of teeth, the scripture says. Uh, so walking in God will keep us from the road that leads to death. Remember what happened to Lot's wife and keep looking forward towards the blessed hope of heaven, but never backwards to the pleasures of sin, which lead to death. Jesus can continue to be our full assurance of salvation. So persevere by his Holy Spirit and diligently look to him. Amen. Let's praise God for his matchless word, his eternal word. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We pray, oh God, that we will heed your exhortive warnings, walk in the spirit, and not give in to seducing spirits, not give in to our flesh, but that we will walk in the spirit, hallelujah, in the holy name of Jesus, ever looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We thank you, Lord. We want to persevere by the power of the Holy Ghost. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, and encourage us the more to do so. Hallelujah, amen, and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www.roagape.org. We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.